0: Let's travel the world together. She can make it easy, and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bag checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling. There's no doubt. B-b-b- Betty and the chest and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high-heel shoes, got her wings on, too.
1: Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty, I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. And believe me, I've been literally traveling around the world. got lots of stories from Madagascar in this episode. And the music for this episode is from a Malagasy band that I uh, listened to and uh, met the main singer. He's very nice. And I'm going to butcher his name because it's the name of the band because it's in Malagasy. I I am no good at Malagasy. Really should have tried to (laughs) figure out how to say some things before I left because it was a problem. But the name of the band is to Silver Laza. I know I'm butchering it, but that's how I did. You should have seen me trying to say the names of the towns I was trying to go to. (laughs) I butchered them every time. Anyway, the music is from To Silver Lada. So right before I was t- going on my trip to Madagascar, I was commuting home on my short flight home, and I actually got first class, which is highly unusual, sitting next to a very nice guy, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but I said, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going on a trip to Madagascar to see the lemurs, and he was like, actually, first of all, most people say, what are lemurs? And instead, this guy goes, oh, um, They have lemurs on a little island off of Georgia. And I'm like, they have what? On a little island off of Georgia? They don't have lemurs. Lemurs are only found in Madagascar. That's why I'm going halfway around the world to see them. And he's like, no, no. There's an island. It's called St. Catherine's. And now I live on an island off of South Carolina. And that means that this island he's talking about is sort of spitting distance on a boat <laughs> from where I live. He says, there's, there's 90 ring-tailed lemurs. I'm like, there's 90 ring-tailed lemurs? He's like, yeah, they brought them there, um, you know, to preserve them in case, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Madagascar, what if, you know, politically, or they get rid of the environment. So there's, it's not like a zoo, they're wild. There's no people living on the island except for like researchers studying the lemurs but you really can't go there you have to be like a researcher you have to volunteer somehow it's a, a long process so i felt a little better because here i am i've been planning this trip it's going to take me like 40 hours to get there and he's like oh no they have some of those right you know like right around the corner A long time ago,
2: yeah. In the middle of the night, we would go through down in the galley and open the hatch and appear in the middle of the aisle <laughs>
1: and the It was like a ghost coming out of nowhere <laughs> just to scare them. I know you gotta
2: love the hatch. Oh, uh, and then also, one day, one lady. Because we told them there would be a movie, etc. I see. She comes go where is the movie theater? <laughs> <laughs> next to the pool next to the pool.
0: So literally
1: it took me like 40 hours to get there and like 42 hours to get back from Madagascar. It's a very long journey. Um, And it's one of those countries where, and I say that because maybe some of you have been to some of these countries, maybe others of you haven't, but there's some countries where travel is difficult. You know, it's not, it's definitely a developing country. It's very poor. Um, There were a lot of bucket showers and, um, no electricity, and difficult to get around, and dug out canoes, and <laughs> I hadn't done one of those trips in a while. But when I landed, I actually had booked a really nice hotel. It was kind of like not just traveling 40 hours, but traveling back in time. I mean, this hotel, they had restored a, a house that's next to near the Queen's Palace, and, and, and it was like the room. I walked in, and I was like, what year is it? I mean, it was had really old telephones and like um, the bathroom. It was just kind of shocking, but beautiful. Very nice. Anyway, the next morning at breakfast, there was a British couple that had been on their honeymoon. And I should have recorded everything they said because it was kind of like a foretelling of everything that was gonna happen on my trip <laughs> you know they were on their it was their last morning they were going home and um, this guy said and it's something I have sometimes trouble putting into words because he said you know I'm gonna go home and people at work are gonna be like well how was your trip and I what do I say great when parts of it were terrible <laughs> you know <laughs> which is true because it, it My trip was great, but parts of it were terrible. And that's kind of hard to explain with just a question like, how was your trip? And the other thing that he was saying that I also happens to me all the time is he said, you know, you go back to work and people say, oh, you're back already? And you think I'm back already (laughs) because you go on a different time you're. you're, it's a different time when you're traveling, if you're traveling to a difficult country. Like in one day, you can be like in uh, a taxi bruise, which is like a chicken bus and, you know, a dugout canoe. And, you you know, you can be covered in mud and like all of this is before like noon. (laughs) So it's a different time zone in that you get home and they still have been on their normal time line. You know, it's like it's like space travel. It's different because you have done so much in that amount of time that you know, people are like, "Oh, you're 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 back so soon." And you're like, "I'm back so soon? Are you crazy?" <laughs> anyway, let me just tell you what this honeymoon couple some of the things they were saying. I should have been taking notes because almost everything happened to them happened to me. And um they were saying how it was difficult to go around and they Uh, at this point, I really wasn't planning on flying anywhere, because the flights were kind of expensive. Um, But they were like, Oh, that airline, there's only one airline, Air Madagascar. And they're like, I don't even I've never even heard of an airline like this. They were, they went to Uganda first to see the gorillas, which I really, really want to do, but it's expensive. And sometimes you have to, you know, you got to be real careful whether or not it's safe. Anyway, um, it's on my wish list. But um, they were in Uganda, and then they were supposed to go on a safari where they're going to see some uh, lions and stuff. And, they, Air Madagascar contacts them and say that their flight's leaving a day early. And they're like, who leaves a day early? So they didn't get to do what they were supposed to do. And otherwise they weren't going to get to go on this trip for days and days. And they're like, never heard of such a thing. They're like, what kind of airline is this? (laughs) Well, (laughs) just about the exact same thing happened to me because, um, it's, I had every intention of taking a lot of public transportation because I like to do it. Well, I like to do it cheaply. And I also like to really get the feel of like the locals and how people do it. And I had every intention of taking these taxi bruises, which are like collectivos, chicken buses. It's like, basically they wait till they're really full and they have all kind of crap on the top. They're overloaded and they go from town to town. Uh, and they don't cost a lot of money. Um, but like I was staying at that pretty hotel in Tana and, um, the guy that was driving me from the airport at, like, midnight, I told him I was I was going to Antecibe, and I was going to take a taxi, Bruce, but I knew that I had to change in this one town. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can take a taxi, Bruce, and you can change in that town, but then once you get to Antecibe, you're going to have to walk, like, an hour and a half to get to your hotel. And I'm like, I'm going to have to walk an hour and a half? <laughs> like... that sounded crazy to me, two chicken buses and an hour and a half walk. Like my my book didn't say anything about an hour and a half walk. And he's like, yeah, well, the, you know, the taxi Bruce isn't going to take you to your hotel. And I'm like, well, can I get a taxi there? And he's like, there's no taxis there. And, you know, he was right. It was like a town of stick houses. There weren't any taxis there. (laughs) So I ended up having to hire a guy to drive me. All the way three hours. And it seemed expensive to me, but it's also relative. Like try to get a taxi for three hours it ended up costing me like $65. Um, there's nowhere in the United States where you can get a three-hour taxi ride for $65. <laughs> you know, that, that that's how much it costs to get to an airport in like 30 minutes or something, or 20 minutes. But still, it's kind of expensive, and I it's not how I wanted to do it. But thank goodness I didn't. Plus, that guy drove like a bat out of hell. Like it was like I, I actually got a workout from, I kept having to brace myself. I kept, I was so afraid he was going to hit people. But, you know, it is one of those kind of countries like India or those kind of countries where the driving's crazy. Um, so he was right, though. Like the, it was like a dirt road, uh, bumpy. There's no way, like with my bag, I bring the same bag I use at work, my rolling bag. <laughs> I have been a really, really long walk to that hotel but anyway, almost every journey I took was like that. Like, I'd be like, I had been looking in my book and they're like, yeah, you can take a taxi Bruce. And then I'd ask in my hotel, they're like, so I'm going to take a taxi Bruce to this next place. And they're like, yeah, you can do that. And you can ask the taxi Bruce to drop you off on the side of the road. But then, you know, you're going to need a four by four to get to dirt road all the way to where you need to catch a boat. I'm thinking, where am I getting a four by four on the side of the road? (laughs) So so it was frustrating because I had to keep spending a lot of money to get from place to place just because I couldn't figure out any other way to do it. But now this gets to the funny part of the story that has to do with Air Madagascar. So I'm fast forwarding. I'll tell other stories later and in other shows. But the last day of my trip, Um, Well, the last few days I was on these islands, uh, Ile St. Marie and Ionat, which are these beautiful islands off of the island of Madagascar. Uh, I had been mainly like seeing the lemurs and in the forest um, for the bulk of the trip. And then the last few days I thought, well, I'll go to the beach. Plus they had lemurs there anyway. It seemed like a good way to end the trip. but from St. Marie to get to Notch, which is another little island, the only way to get there is in a paroque, which is like a dugout canoe. And you sit in there like with your bag, but, you know, your butt gets all wet. And I knew I was going to be starting this 40-hour journey home, and I didn't want to start with a wet butt. <laughs> you know, it just didn't seem like the way to start the long journey. And uh, I had had to jump through all these hoops to actually buy a ticket on Air Madagascar for two flights to get me to the main city Um, Which would be on my, then I would get my next flight from there to Paris to start the journey home. Um, Because if I didn't take a flight, um, I would have to go the way that I got there, which would have been um, like an hour. Well, first the dugout canoe. To the main island then a taxi to the the boat dock and then like an hour and a half boat ride and then a three-hour journey on a taxi bruce to another town where then i would have to take another seven-hour journey in a taxi bruce before i started all the flights home so i decided i'm gonna splurge i'm gonna buy a ticket i will fly to the main city so i was pretty proud of myself and i i switched islands left Eonaut because I thought I'm not going to start the day in that dugout canoe and I, I went to this nice hotel um French hotel and they had snorkeling and had this like bridge that went out to their own little island and it, it was great and I thought perfect you know this perfect way to end the trip I'm going to snorkel in the morning I had already arranged for a taxi to pick me up my flight was at 4:40, and I arranged for a taxi to pick me up and I was being conscientious at like 2:30, and um I was so conscientious that I came in from snorkeling at noon. I was giving myself two and a half hours to shower and pack to get ready to go I thought, in case anything happens. I mean, I was being conservative, conscientious. So I come in from snorkeling. You know, my stuff's all wet, but I have two and a half hours. I, I take a shower, which is a bucket shower, by the way. And um, the guy, the taxi driver from the day before, the one I'd arranged to come pick me up, comes... Yelling outside my bungalow, Madame, Madame, you late, you late, you go, you go now, you go now. And I'm naked and I'm like yelling outside of the bungalow, What do you mean? I I, like, like, I have like two and a half hours. He's like, No, no, you're late, you go, you go now, or else you don't go. It's uh, the plane, it's um, leaving four hours early. I'm like, The plane is leaving four hours early. You know, I work for the airline, we don't leave four hours early. (laughs) So, I hear I'm soaking wet I put on clothes and I'm talking I'm like you're sure he's like I'm sure no other flights you don't go today you don't go because the there were only like flights from Tana to Madagascar like every three days so he was like you go now you go now we don't make it you go now so (laughs) I wet bathing suit and my snorkel stuff I'm like throwing it in my suitcase I'm barely getting you know everything together like my passport you know it's the worst way to start such a long journey is wet, and everything just thrown in a bag. But I, I didn't have a choice, and thank goodness I had arranged for this taxi driver to pick me up because I wouldn't have. I didn't have a phone. Uh, my phone doesn't work there, and they didn't even the airline didn't even ask me for my phone number, so I wouldn't have known that it was late. But so thank goodness. But I, you know, I like to look nice. <laughs> My hair in one of those hot climates like that, I've said before, turns into a blonde afro. I mean, it it gets big and fuzzy, and um, I, you know, no choice, because I'm starting out wet, but now, because my flight left four hours early, I had nine, yes, nine hours, it took the two flights to get to the main town, Tana and Tanrivo, they call it Tana for short, and it's not a nice airport. Actually, there was a lot of mosquitoes in the airport. But now I have nine hours, nine hours at the airport before my (laughs) 10 hour flight to Paris. So I thought, well, I've got all this time, I got to try to figure out something to do with this blonde afro. Because, you know, I, I know probably most likely I'm flying standby. I know I'm going to be in coach on the Air France flight, but I know going from Paris to the States, it's my airline and I had checked the loads. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be in business and I, I wanna go with this big fuzzball on my head. <laughs> so I think to myself, well, I've got a hairdryer and an adapter and I got like a curling iron in my bag. All I need is a plug. No such luck, no plugs in the airport in Tana. So I thought, all right, plan B, what can I do with this hair? You well, know, I also have, I'm such a girl, because I knew there'd be places without electricity. I also have these Velcro rollers. But the Velcro rollers don't do much. You know, you just put them in your hair and it doesn't do much if you can't, like, use a blow dryer or something with them. So I put the Velcro rollers in my hair, in the bathroom, in the airport, in Madagascar. And then, I'm being creative, there's the hand dryer. And so I'm trying to put my head with the Velcro rollers under, under the hand dryer, and people are walking in, and these Malagasy women, they're looking at the white blonde lady with the curlers in her hair with her head under the hair dryer, but you know, people were very nice there, and uh, one lady, when I was taking the rollers out, she was like, oh, wow, it really does look better, (laughs) so as a compliment, went from fuzz to slightly less fuzzy, Um, still not great, so when I got to Paris, I had like three hours in Paris, and I thought, okay. I can probably find a bathroom here with a plug and I can I can work with this hair and uh, nope, no plugs there either. So I had so much time I thought, huh, you know, they have the plugs for to for you to charge your phone or your um, computer <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> well, I sat down there. I'm not in uniform or anything. So you know, I'm not embarrassing the airline. I got my curling iron out. <laughs> and I- I don't have a mirror or anything, but I'm just trying to not, I'm trying to turn my back so nobody knows this, and I'm trying to curl my hair. <laughs> just making a fool of myself in airports all over the world. And actually, it's funny, I get on the plane on my airline. I did get to sit in business on that flight, and I saw a girl, and she's like, because normally I have to wear my hair up, and um, she's like, oh, your hair is so beautiful. And I just wanted to kiss her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh.
1: There was a little boy comes to the back with his garbage his dirty cup and he asked me
2: where the trash is so I tell him right there at the corner and as he's ready to throw his cup I tell him I ask him just wait 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 are you a good runner do you <laughs> run fast and he goes yeah I say okay well you throw your cup and if you run fast enough to that window here the window by the door you might be able to see your cup pass by. So he's like taking steps, ready to throw his cup and run towards the window at the same time. <laughs> And his dad was laughing.
1: <laughs> so the lemurs did not disappoint. I went all that way, but it was worth it. The lemurs were fantastic. They have so many different kinds. I didn't get to see all of them. I'm gonna to have to go back another time. I wanted to see that they have dancing lemurs on the one side, but this is a big country and it was hard to get from place to place. So I did, I only got to see really a sliver of Madagascar, but I did get to see about 10 different uh, species of lemurs. And there's, there's, you know, black and white ones and ones that look like panda bears and yellow ones and little like mouse, tiny little mouse lemurs. And, you know, they're very gentle, like, um, There's some places where they will give them bananas and stuff, so they're slightly tamer. Where they're still like wild; they're not enclosed or anything. But because they they do want the bananas, they'll 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 come around. They'll come to breakfast at like a hotel, or um, they'll jump on you. They'll jump on your shoulder. They'll jump on your head. (laughs) They'll jump from like the ground to your head. But they, you know, what's so nice is they're they're gentle creatures. Because like if a cat jumped from the ground onto your head it would scratch you it would hurt you know there would be marks (laughs) but not with the lemurs i don't i don't i don't i can't explain why when they touch you they don't use any claws or anything um because they'll also like if you have a banana in your hand they'll they'll grab your arm to make sure you don't get away and then then take the banana from you you can even put a banana in your mouth they'll take a banana out of your mouth or they put a banana on your head it'll take the banana off your head like they're just lovely creatures and the way they They're so graceful, the way they jump from tree to tree. It's just so much fun to see them. I just, um, it was worth every inconvenience and crazy thing that happened on that trip to see the different lemurs. And then there were some of the things I thought was really interesting, like I went from town to town and they would call the lemurs, like the guides, like you'd, you'd have to have a guide everywhere. It's like a way of making jobs. And, uh, so lots of times since I was traveling by myself, it was just me and a guide and, um, some of the places would be like hotels where they had their own reserve and they had all these different lemurs there. But you know, the lemurs are sort of used to people. So the guides would go, they call them maki or maki maki, M-A-K-I, M-A-K-I. Whereas we call them lemurs. So they would go, maki, 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 maki. (laughs) I thought it was really strange how you'd go to the next town and someone would go, maki, 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 and you think, who decided this was the call for the lemurs? And how does it get all over the country? Just like I see people with animals here, and they're always like, do your business, do your business. And who decided that's what you say to animals to make them go number two? Like, who decides that, you know, we don't speak their language. So how do we decide that mucky, 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 mucky is the way to call a lemur? So this flight attendant was telling me the story that she was, um, lots of times we'll try to look, you know, you get all sort of hairy during the flight. So you try to look a little better for landing and walking through the concourse. So lots of times we'll go in and put lipstick on. So she had gone in to put lipstick on and she forgot to lock the door. But, you know, it didn't matter. She wasn't taking any clothes off. She was just putting on some lipstick. So this woman opens the door and says, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she goes, oh, it's okay. I'm just, um. I'm just putting lipstick on and the lady goes, "Okay." And comes into the la- <laughs> like she didn't mean it's okay you can come in. <laughs> She just meant it's okay you don't have to be embarrassed, but this this woman was gonna come in and go to the bathroom while, while she was putting her lipstick on. And you know how small our labs are, and she was like, no, 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 you can't come in. That's not okay. I was just saying it was okay. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed. <laughs> she speaks good English so I was asking her some questions and I think it's a very interesting story but one thing I have to tell you before is because she talks about zebu and I have a feeling because I didn't know what a zebu is that most people probably don't know what a zebu is so in this story she talks about zebu and it's like a cow um, a cow with a hump or two humps they eat zebu and um, it's like a big cow with a hump or a couple humps that's a zebu
3: something like um, How many wives can a man oh, have?
1: What is the answer? <laughs> I don't
3: know. It depends on the tribe. Because in the south, one man is allowed to, to have more than one wife. It's just he has to be rich, which means he has to have many zebu, and he has
1: to be strong at the same time. Many zebu and strong, and then he can have more than one wife.
3: Yes. It is. <laughs> and these, uh, these wives, they live separately, oh. not in one house.
1: And so the, wait, wait, he has to have enough money to have more than one house.
3: Yeah, but the zebu is money because the zebu is expensive. And one rich man, it means he has like 800 zibu. Wait.
1: How much does the zebu cost?
3: It's about uh, 300,000 aliyah. Wait. How
1: much?
3: Three hundred thousand area for
1: really? one. One zero. Yeah. That's a lot. That's why he's rich. <laughs> yeah, it's a young one. <laughs> okay. So, if, if you're not rich, can you have more than one
3: wife? Now it's impossible because these wives they must have the same thing. As they live separately in the separate houses, then. Let's say he buys one TV for one, so he has to buy one TV for the other one. If he has five wives, so five TV. <laughs> no,
1: wait, does, does a guy want to have all these wives?
3: Yes, because they look after him. That's the thing. And also, he has to be strong because he has to... Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and if he cannot, then the wife can complain. And she can get Cebu.
1: Wait, wait. If she complains, she gets the zebu.
3: Yeah, that's that's the thing.
1: Okay, so you as a female here, would you want to be more than one wife? I'm sorry? Would you want a husband that has more than one wife? No, it doesn't
3: work in the Highlands, but it's just for people living in the South, as we have 18 tribes. So you have the tribe like the Para, the Mafali, and the Antanjui. So those are uh, the polygamous right. tribe. The funny thing is, after telling that to tourists, yes. <laughs> then let's say you visit a marketplace, yes. and if men look at you, yes. <laughs> the women just say, oh, how many zebu does he have? <laughs> He's looking at you like this. <laughs>
1: That was good. No, you wouldn't.
0: You wouldn't want that, right? Of
1: course. <laughs> I was staying at this hotel. I was there. some of the places I stayed. Actually, two of the places I stayed. I was the only one staying there, uh, the only guest. And then people wouldn't speak English, and I'm fine with that. And I try to speak there, and I try to get by, but you do get to a point where you would like to talk to someone because, you know, quiet's nice on vacation, but, you know, there can be too quiet. <laughs> so, I had spent two nights at this hotel um, and, like I was talking about bucket showers before, I, there were bucket showers a lot of places, but when I checked the bungalows, when I got there, I, you know, the guy was driving, driving me, pushing me in a paroch or a dugout canoe, kind of like a poor man's gone to like, a, it's like a canoe where they use a big stick and they, push you know because it's like shallow water they push you through and you feel bad that you know seems like a lot of work and he's pushing me around and I didn't like the first place because it didn't have any bathrooms and oh okay I got two stories about this first about the animal and then I gotta I gotta go back a minute because (laughs) I want to talk about bungalows and bad stomachs uh, in crazy countries, <laughs> developing countries. Well, I knew the sanitation wasn't great. And Madagascar, I knew you had to be really careful with only using the bottled water. You know, they wash their clothes in the river and they dry it on the rocks. And we're so spoiled here. And I told myself, okay, next time I go to complain about something, I can remember that I could be washing my clothes on a river and drying them on rocks. Because, you know, if we have clothes that are on rocks, that means they're dirty. <laughs> you know, there, that means they're clean. But they also wash their, you know... you know, pots and pans in the same river that they bathe in, you know, so, you know, I know it's not clean. And um I knew that I could possibly have a bad stomach. And yes, I had a bad stomach. I mean, we're talking lots and lots. Excuse me, I know it's um potty humor, but I had lots of diarrhea um because of the sanitation there. You know, I, my, my stomach was uh not at its best and when it was at its worst was like the least convenient time for it to be at its worst i was staying in this bungalow i'm i'm the only one staying there there's no electricity they had electricity maybe like two hours a day uh from like like after dinner seven to nine something like that the rest of the time no electricity and there's um it's a bungalow right near the water which is great you can hear the water um they told me not i didn't have to lock the doors or the windows which seems very strange to me but uh There was also a mosquito net over the bed. So, you know, it's like romantic, kind of roughing it. I don't know if you've had a a real mosquito net, not just a decorative mosquito net. They're kind of hard to get in and out of, especially when there are no lights and there's no lights outside either. It's like you forget how dark the world can be when there's no lights anywhere. There's no street lights. There's no lights. (laughs) There's nothing. (laughs) So (laughs) I wake up in the middle of the night and you know you're sick, you know, things are bad. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you know if you don't get to a toilet soon, there's going to be a lot of cleanup. That's how bad, it's like explosive diarrhea. And I'm in this bed with this mosquito net. It's so hard to get out of the mosquito net. I had left my flashlight on the nightstand because in case I needed it, but I could not. I'm like feeling around. I couldn't find the nightstand. It was so dark and I thought, you know what? I do not have time to find this flashlight. I have to get to the toilet now. So the main thing was to get out of that mosquito net. And then it's so dark, I'm feeling around for the toilet in this bungalow. And I didn't make it. There was a lot of cleanup. You know, it's one of those prices you have to pay (laughs) to see the lemurs or to do any of this far-flung exotic travel. There's, you know, there's a price for everything. It's not always money sometimes. It's uh, explosive diarrhea in the dark. But anyway, getting back to the next place I was staying, uh, the first place that I was going to stay, it was a cute little bungalow on the beach, but there was no bathroom attached to it. Like you had to walk um, to like a shared bathroom and the way my stomach was, there was no way I was going to be in a place without a bathroom, considering I had really didn't even make it to the bathroom that was attached to my bungalow. So I felt bad for the guy pushing me around in my paroque, my dugout canoe, slash gondola thing um I didn't want him not to, to take me to 20 hotels so the next one wasn't that great but I saw that it had a shower so it wasn't a bucket shower it had you know a shower stall so I was glad um and I don't have to have a hot water I mean sometimes it's nice but I was coming in from the beach and seeing some lemurs they had lemurs there too um and this woman comes running up and she's like you want hot water you want hot water and I was like okay and there was this contraption in my bathroom, that had a bunch of levers, like, sometimes they'll have like an electrical thing where they'll heat the water. It's always kind of scary, you're afraid to electrocute yourself. But I thought, well, maybe they have to turn it on or something. And she's like, I do, I do. And I thought, okay, she's going to turn it on somewhere else. Great. So, you know, I start getting ready to take a shower. This guy's knocking on my bungalow, and he's just got a bucket of hot water. And I don't know the last time you took a bucket shower, but you know, you take a little bucket, and dip it in the big bucket and pour it over your head but here's the problem they've been like cooking this water like on a stove or something it's like scalding hot i burned (laughs) myself i burned my foot with this water and i thought well how long do you have to wait for the water to cool off before you can take the bucket shower (laughs) so like i said there's definitely some prices to be paid on a trip like this even though it was still great and i loved it um but You know it is sort of roughing it but now i want to get back to that same place i was staying with the bucket shower um on the beach but i I was tired of not having anyone to talk to because i'm the only one i'm the only guest and other people don't speak english so the place that i wanted originally to go to which i should have gone to because i had read in my book that south africans own the place so they spoke english uh, but i felt bad with that guy pushing me around in that boat that i didn't go back to the place I wanted to go. So I decided that I would go down there and see if I couldn't have dinner there where I knew there'd be people that spoke English. And so I was taking a path through the forest to get to this other hotel. Uh, And I had my flashlight with me. And there's all these wild dogs there. Like, in some ways, I like going to places where dogs are still dogs. Like they're not, you know, they don't have pet sitters and dog spas. They're like, independent dogs. They're not anybody's dogs. They're just wild dog or feral, whatever you want to say, but they're so smart, man. So this dog who who was always hanging around this hotel, because tourists will lots of times give them food. So, and I already given him food. So he's walking with me to this other hotel and I'm thinking that's nice you know have someone a companion along the walk and he would go in front of me and he he'd turn around like if I stopped to look at something like hello come on so I go all right. so I get to a certain point and he stops and I think all right he's going to go back to the hotel and I go to the uh, South African hotel and uh, it was great because I, I got to talk to them and they live there and they speak English so I got to learn a lot of things it's you know, it's really nice to be able to talk to people. I was there for probably three hours. And now it's dark. And I got to walk back through the forest to my hotel. And I was slightly concerned, but I thought it's all right. Uh, So I start walking back and there is that dog. He waited for me. He waited like three hours and he walked me home. (laughs) I was like, just wonderful. So of course I fed him. And, um, it was just nice to have an escort. I, you, actually, I felt much more calm walking through the dark forest with my friendly dog date.
4: So we're in the airplane and the jetway is pulled back. Yeah. And the door is closed, of course. And the flight attendant comes up to us and she's like, Oh my gosh, I left my purse up in the boarding area. Like, okay, we'll we'll call the company, see what we can do. So we called down there and said, hey, can you get a hold of the gate agent at gate Umpty frazz and have them go look in the gate area for the purse. Yeah. So they do that and we keep getting ready and we're just about ready to push back. And they find the purse and the gate agent comes down and says, shall I bring the door back up? And we're like, no, just hand it through the window. Yeah. Uh-oh. So we open up the window, we get the purse. And we tell the flight attendant in the back, okay, they, they found it, and they're going to ship it to the next place. So we're we we, we we're pushed back, we taxi so out, good. we fly there, we get there, and on the in range, of course, we're calling them saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. When we get down there, we're the going to open the window, hand the purse through the window, and when you open the door, hand it to her. <laughs> so no kidding. <laughs> We do this, and the gate agent opens the door, hands it to her, and she goes, Oh, great. She goes, That's really great. How'd you get in here so fast? And he goes, Oh, we FedExed it. Went right over
1: her head, and she bought the whole thing. When I went to Costa Rica in August, I, I recorded the um, howler Monkeys. And part of the reason why when I, when I went all the way to Madagascar was because of the injury, which are a type of lemur that whale that's uh they call them the wailing injury so they're wailing lemurs and they make this great noise and uh i recorded it so i'm gonna play it for you in just a second but i gotta tell you that <laughs> you get varying uh degrees of guides in these types of places as to whether how knowledgeable they are or not and you know they could tell me anything i don't know how am i gonna know if it's correct you know so the first guide the one here where I recorded these wailing lemurs I had to get up really early because they're very active in the morning and I I went on this you know walk through the forest and was pouring down rain some of the time but I got to hear them wailing and he told me that um They tell each other the weather, (laughs) whether it's raining or whatever. And up and they can hear, like, you can hear them like a kilometer away. And that's what they're saying to each other. They're telling each other the weather. And I was thinking, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And then I was in another national park with a different guide. And he goes, that's not what they're (laughs) doing. I probably want to come home and said, well, this is the whaling lemurs, and they're telling each other whether or not it's raining. (laughs) But he said they have three different kinds of whales, and one of them's communication. Uh, One of them would be for danger, and another one would be like a love call. So um, there probably isn't one for whether or not it's raining. (laughs) But here is the magnificent indri Whaling. so loud. Yeah, it's loud. really loud. loud.
0: <laughs> you can hear about one kilometer from here. What? You can hear the vehicle about one kilometer. One kilometer. One thousand meter from here. It's very loud.
1: It's amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: The passenger asked me in the middle of the flight, how much longer before we land? So I run to the window. I look. It's full of clouds. And without him looking at, at me or seeing me, I look at my watch. And I can tell uh, it's like four and a half hours before we land. So I go back and I go, oh, we'll be landing in four and a half hours. So he rushed to the window. <laughs> he look looks backwards. and he goes, how can you tell? <laughs> he say,
1: oh, it's an old fly attendant trick. Well, that trip to Madagascar ended up costing a heck of a lot more money. I was staying... It's a cheap destination. Some... A lot of the hotels I was staying at were like under $40, including breakfast. Some of them included dinner, but it cost me so much to get from place to place because... And then buying the flight back. Anyway, I got to stay home. <laughs> I got to stay home for a while and pay for all my gallivanting. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going anywhere except for for work for a while, but... um. I want to thank all of you who have gone to my site, BettingTheSky.com, and clicked on the Amazon links. You know, especially if you're doing your Christmas shopping, because this way I get a little percentage. It helps the show. It helps me pay off the (laughs) Madagascar trip. Uh, But one of the listeners also was telling me that, um, I guess, you know, I did the website myself, trying to save money. And I guess, depending on what browser you use, you can't see the Amazon links. So, you know, I use... um, Firefox, but I guess I'm going to try to figure it out. I I probably won't get it figured out by the time this podcast airs, but um, if you don't see any links on my site for Amazon, (laughs) try using Firefox until I get it figured out. I'm sure there's a reason why, depending on the browser, you can't see the Amazon links, but it is pretty bad if I'm over here going, please, please link through my site to get to Amazon, and then there's no links. (laughs) (laughs) That's always something I tell you. But for those of you who can see the links and have gone to Amazon to click through, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, You can help me pay for my gallivanting. Okay, one more story, and then I will, if I'm going to tell you any more Madagascar stories, I'll do it in another episode. Because I know this is, you could probably have a little Madagascar overload. (laughs) So, I'm staying at this hotel. This is the hotel With um, the bad stomach, mosquito net, toilet debacle. (laughs) But before that, um, I'm the only one staying. I'm the only person staying at this hotel, and I know the hotel next door that I wanted to stay at, but I couldn't. I couldn't get. I couldn't. First of all, I don't have a phone, and there's no electricity, so there's no internet. So I didn't have any reservations, and and this place I went to was the place where I had to take. I had to do like a three-hour ride and, and then a four-by-four four and then a boat. And I'm not going to do all that when I mean, there's only a few hotels and not have a reservation. So the hotel I'd been staying at in Anticibe, they were they were making calls for me on their phone. And, and nobody answered the phone at the nice hotel, the Palladium, where I knew they had a ton of lemurs and their own reserve and everything. But the hotel next door, well, <laughs> like I thought it was next door, had rooms and it was very rate and stuff. And so I booked that and I was the only one staying there. And that's where I had that crazy diarrhea debacle. But anyway, uh, <laughs> back to brighter times. Um, I get there and I know I want to go over to the other hotel because I know they have a bunch of lemurs over there. And they got a forest and their own preserve. And that's where the lemurs are. So I ask the people don't speak English, but you know, they speak a little tiny bit of English. And I'm like, how do I get uh, to the hotel next door and she's like pantomiming I mean, you know like you know like you swim or like you wade through the water <laughs> the ocean you know But they're like canals I was staying. anyway I'm like okay all right so I put on my swimsuit and my cover up and you know I have my camera and stuff in a bag and I thought oh, if I had to swim I'll just like hold it over my head or if I'm wading through the water I'll you know I'll, I'll take the the cover up off and go through the water (laughs) to get to this other hotel (laughs) and i wasn't quite sure like how to get across or where to get across and here's this dog i see this dog coming down the beach and i see where he swims across the water to get to the other side and i thought well he lives here oh that's where i'll go And sure enough, it wasn't um, it, was, it wasn't even waist deep, uh, so it was fine. And then you get to the other side, and I, like, walked down the beach and realized you had to, like, walk around all these rocks and stuff to get to the, the hotel. And when I got to the other hotel, it's where there were actually people there, and there were some Australians, so I could actually talk to them. It's mainly French tourists, if you had tourists, but European tourists because it's closer, and the French used to own Madagascar, so... Um, they tend to go there on vacation. But anyway, it's nice to see some other tourists that I could actually talk to. And they're like, well, where are you staying? I'm like, over there. And they're like, over where? <laughs> I'm like pointing across the ocean. I'm like, how did you get here? I'm like, I waded across the water. <laughs> I did get to see the lemurs. And I made sure that I left in time because I didn't want to like have to wade through the water after dark. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes I do some crazy things on vacation.
0: So we're,
5: we're flying to Hawaii in the DC-10. This was uh, oh, probably in the last uh, seven or eight years. And when you fly to Honolulu, if you have pets on board, oh, yeah. you have to American declare them with the Department of Agriculture. Right and they have to be put into quarantine, except for service animals like seeing-eye dogs. So we had two people on the airplane that had seeing-eye dogs. So as we got in range of uh, Honolulu, I called them on the radio, and I said, uh, please advise the Department of Agriculture that we have two uh, two blind people with seeing-eye dogs uh, on the airplane. They need to come and uh, meet them at the aircraft so they can inspect the dogs. And they, they just looked them over um, or any uh, vermin or insects right. or, or anything. So uh, I waited a bit, and the station came back with a, with a message to us saying, uh, Copy that. Uh, please have those individuals identify themselves to the gate agent when they get in. And I, uh, I sent him a message back, and I said, Okay, they'll be the two blind people with the seeing with eye dogs. The dogs.
0: So when
1: I got back from Madagascar, I only had a day or two here and uh, before I had to go back to work, and I had a two-day Paris trip. Can't complain. You heard me talking about diarrhea and wading through the water and all kind of stuff like that. I can't complain. I was in Madagascar. I come home, and then I go to Paris for two days. So, you know, life is good. And I I was excited about this Paris trip because about six months ago, I went to this wine tasting. It's where they have all the independent vinters. That's where they sell their wine to the restaurants. And you go and taste all this wine and you can buy wine at wholesale prices. And they do it twice a year. So I had made a point of getting this trip on these days. And it's called uh, Salon de Vin, Salon de Duvin. Um, And there's this time there were thousands in a convention center, a Thousand local ventures and you know you can't taste that. Well, I guess you could, but it'd be kind of hard to taste that many wines. <laughs> but I ended up going back both days. I went the first day with the crew, and um, the second day I went back by myself because sometimes I know it's terrible to say, but sometimes I have more fun by myself because I meet I meet more local people, just like when I'm traveling. So I went back by myself. Um, the rest of the people didn't go back the second day. I wasn't there for like five minutes where I met these really nice French guys, two French um, interesting guys. They turned out to be from, they turned out to be Albanian, like from Kosovo, but they lived in Paris for like 10 years. And they were like, oh, we come, we've come, we been coming to this thing for like six years. Why don't you let us take... Um, Take you around and we'll we'll show you all of our favorite wineries. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'm already thinking, this is so fun. And it was weird because the first day I was with um, three pilots and one other flight attendant. And we had a great time. But um, this time I'm walking around. I couldn't figure it out. I thought, um, is it because they're speaking French? Um, Is it because they maybe have seen these ventures before? But everybody was being so nice to us. Like, much nicer than the day before when I was with my airline crew. And I was like, all right, whatever. So um, they were pouring much bigger glasses, they were being so friendly. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. So this is fun. And they were very interesting guys, these two guys. And <laughs> eventually they left because one of them works at a bar in Paris, and he had to go to work. So I went back, I had been recording the wines that I liked, and I was going back to buy some to bring home. um, And there was this uh, Italian girl and she's tasting the wine and I was tasting it again to make sure which one I wanted and she says the guy the is standing there you know the wine owner and he's he says something to her in French and then she says to me oh so you're an actress and I was like I'm a what? <laughs> and she talks to the guy again and he and he said those two guys your friends you're with they said you were a famous American actress <laughs> So I guess that's why everybody was being so nice to us. I had no idea because they were saying it in French. I had no idea what they were saying. I know they kept pointing to me. saying They were saying something about American. I didn't know. And then everybody was being really nice. (laughs) So the joke was on me. (laughs) Or I don't know. It was fun regardless. I don't care. You can call me a famous American actress. That's kind of fun. I'd never think of it. But uh, those two guys that told everyone, yeah, they were with this famous American act. (laughs)
0: Well,
1: that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. And oh, by the way, I did put some pictures of the uh, lemurs and different things from Madagascar on an Instagram account. I'm at Betty in the Sky. And... That's but it. Hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together and happy holidays.
0: Bye. <laughs>